Hello all, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzard-Jamari, and today I'm joined by my special co-host, my little brother, Kian Buzard-Jamari. Kian, would you like to introduce yourself? It's a me, your special drain trainer, Kian, because I drain you. Oh, drain you trainer. Yeah. You drain us. Good, oh, I love good it. good dad joke. It's a good dad joke. That's a good joke. All right. So, uh, Kian, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Would you like to... S- would you like to fill us in on uh, what you did? Yeah, it was indeed Valentine's Day. Uh, I have my own uh, special audio uh, uh, medium, uh, L- Lock Life Advice with Keon podcast, and I released an episode about not everybody's uh, surrounded by people on the holiday, so it's good to good to make sure you're doing well. Yes, I know we already have a dearth of listeners so far, but seriously, anyone who wants a fantastic life advice podcast that really cuts to the point. I suggest you check out the Lockcast uh, oh, Life you. Advice with Keon. I appreciate that, baby. As with all things, we here on Sweating the Small Stuff love to sweat the small stuff. And I feel like there's something that most people, they experience it on Valentine's Day, but they don't fully appreciate the just incredible machinery in the background that makes it happen. Uh, Keon, on Valentine's Day, I'm sure you've come across roses. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen it one or two. <laughs> there are uh they're usually more abundant than that. Okay. But I just want yeah, I just wanted you to know that Valentine's Day is kind of like the Super Bowl for florists. Oh, just, really? There's not a lot of holidays that turn flowers that that just like invert the supply demand curve of flowers quite like Valentine's Day. Okay. And uh fortunately, Planet Money being the bros they are, uh made sure to put out a episode of theirs episode 603 which was about valentine's day from back in 2015 and it got me thinking about it because they talk a lot about the machinery that makes roses available to us on valentine's day like roses aren't manufactured in a factory they're quite literally grown out of the ground yeah and they're packaged and shipped and they come from all over in the particular episode the farm that the florist gets his roses from is in ecuador really wait where the where the roses like go from ecuador to where going from ecuador to new york city to new jesus and so this is a several thousand mile trip and the reason that people are so adamant to make sure they have their roses situation taken care of is because overnight the price of roses from february 13th to february 14th basically doubles in the episode, they quoted the price being $48, jumping to $80 for a dozen roses. Yeah. Yes, it's the best because it's just the real world proof of supply and demand happening. Yeah. And what's crazier is you have to appreciate that unlike most goods, roses are not a durable good. Like, they die. They can, all sorts <laughs> of things can happen between. You putting the seed in the ground, to you cutting the flower, to you shipping it, to it arriving to be given or purchased. Yeah. I mean, well, how do you know how long they're good for? Like, I mean, that's a pretty crazy investment on the florist's part. So this this was what I thought was, like, the real amazing stuff is... So the florist in the episode, he puts in a call to this farm in Ecuador, and Uh they... He tells them exactly when he needs so many thousands of roses. And that farm has all sorts of people on the farm that are actively trying to figure out how soon do I need to plant 
and maintain the roses to make sure that they all bloom at the same time because they all have to bloom at the same time. If they don't bloom just the right way, then no one's going to get a beautiful rose on Valentine's Day. That sounds like a middle school like math problem. I do not want to deal with. Like, from hell. And the craziest part is they can actually control the bloom by plus or minus four days. Really? Like, they can cool the roses to make them wait a little longer, or they can heat them up and give them hormones. But the most leeway they have is four days to make sure they hit Valentine's Day. Well, I mean, I don't want steroids in my roses. Um, I like, uh, I'm not going to wear a Livestrong bracelet for my roses if they take steroids. So, they might want to rethink that. Do you not remember Lance Armstrong? Or was that Louis Armstrong? Or was that Neil Armstrong? Which of the Armstrongs was it? This might be a separate episode where we try and determine which Armstrong did what thing. A lot of stuff happened. <laughs> so, um, so, so you said they give them hormones to control the blooming? Plus or minus four days. Mm-hmm. So at that point of bloom, like literally the moment they bloom, is when they go in and snip the flower, throw them in boxes, and then... They transport them on commercial airliners. Like, they don't actually use freight. Well, first class or economy? Well, unfortunately, they go with certain celebrities' um, pets in the cargo (laughs) space. This is a beautiful give and take, which is, apparently, it's super good at getting things where they need to go. But at the same time, you have the problem, which is, literally anyone with too much junk in their luggage is going to be able to have it fall over and crush these poor flowers. (laughs) Like, the florist, like, in the episode, they're talking about the anticipation on his face as he opens this box, not knowing if he just got so many perfect roses that he's going to be selling at 80 bucks a dozen, or if he has a bunch of duds. Jeez. I could, I could see people buying rose petals, though. I mean, that, that might be an entirely different market he needs to appeal to. I, for a second, I had a moment where you were talking about the them being in luggage that I thought people would smuggle the roses. Like, considering that, like, the conversion rate on that, like, having it be, like, a contraband, like, smuggling money to a, a Swiss bank account. Well, that's the other thing, is, like, in the process of transporting them, like, first of all, this is going from Ecuador to NYC, so Customs gets involved. and Exactly. Yeah, and so, like, Customs agents are apparently known to go through boxes of roses to see if they can find drugs or any other sort of illicit items, or maybe just because the fact that you're transporting roses and you didn't declare it appropriately is enough for them to decide, these are my roses, and now I don't have to worry about getting stuff from my girlfriend. Yeah. There's a lot that can go wrong along the way, and this is... Uh, what I love about the story is it talks about, like, three things all at once. One is, there's this supply and demand that plays into literally everything that we experience in the world. Like, if you want to buy a cheeseburger, if you want to put gas in your car, or if you want to get roses for your girlfriend on Valentine's Day, this supply and demand is always there driving how expensive something's going to be. And the beauty of it is this shows you that it's, like, context-specific. Because the day after Valentine's Day, those roses go back to being, pretty, like, at least half their value. Oh, yeah. And I'm curious what the calculation goes on in the, the supplier's head that, like, well, how much should I give so I'm not, there, there still isn't a demand, but I'm also not, don't have this giant surplus that's going to go, you know, the, the, the mark down the next day. Exactly. And then you have, there, the beauty of that specific piece is that you have the, the supplier having to meet the, I have to, like, he's getting it from Ecuador. He has this very specialized supply chain that's coming in place. So that's the second part is how much does the supply chain inform his ability to get what he needs when he needs it? Yeah. So in this case, the supply chain is I call a guy in Ecuador. 
He's going to get me my flowers, and he's going to make sure that they arrive on time as per our contract. And this introduces a second, like, it's, it's two things at once. It's supply chain management, which is making mm-hmm. sure your flowers get from there to you. Okay. But the other thing is, this is kind of like him doing a longer short on flowers. He's literally mm-hmm. saying, like, I've locked in this contract that says, I will buy flowers ahead of time at this price expecting them to be way more expensive when valentine's day comes around otherwise i would just get them from other growers who are closer hmm. okay and so in the episode the guy saves about 30 percent on the overall cost of each rose so things really work out in his favor final thing is that it shows that our relationships with things like here's the question i'd like to ask you sure why do you think we like roses for valentine's day um they're nice. They're red. Red's my favorite color. Um, they're like quintessential, I think. Like they're the, the that's like the symbol is that when people think of like love or giving someone a gift for for some sort of love based holiday, be it like a marriage or a uh, an anniversary or Valentine's Day, it's usually like roses and chocolate, right? Like that. I guess it's just like the the image that comes to my mind. You are like. Like, you're so awesome because you just said all the right things and obviously (laughs) none of them are actually why we stick to roses on Valentine's Day. Okay. I really want to go and dig up why flowers became so important on Valentine's Day, but the reason roses in particular are our flower of choice is because of this supply chain. It's literally the most resilient flower to transport. Okay, wait. It's just because they're so, like, they're the easiest to really get out to us like fresh exactly like the idea is you want these flowers you want some beautiful flowers to give your girlfriend we need to stockpile the heck out of flowers and unfortunately a lot of flowers between the time you take them out of the ground and the time they get to where you are unless they're planted and even if they are planted a lot of things will happen that will kill them like orchids tulips all sorts of things but roses are surprisingly resilient plants is it because they got all those thorns? They got protection? I'm going to say yes, because when the cold comes around, it's like, hello, Mr. Rose. I would like to hurt you. The rose is like, all right, but say hello to Mr. Thorn. Ha ha. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how weather works. Mr. Heat, wi- uh, heat Miser and Mr. Cold Winter, they, they've got to back off. But that's the beauty of it is like these flowers just refuse to die. They're like, they're like um, Bruce Willis in Die Hard. <laughs> they're like they in the, they're they're in the air vents, yeah. And <laughs> Mister Freeze Hans Gruber is like feet, feet are bleeding. Yes. Then the flowers come and they push, they push Mister Freeze out the window and he dies and lands on a car. Exactly. Wow. That's so with the uh, that's see the thing that kind of that that's interesting to me for the fact that like it seems like a symbol but like. It legitimately, like, the symbolism of it is just because they're... It, it's like how gold or diamonds don't don't particularly, like, actually have a value. It's just the fact that gold is something with the lowest half-life or the longest half-life of decay. And diamonds just so happen to be, like, a giant ad campaign. Yeah, and that's... So that's actually another hilarious thing. If you want to look at the economics of all this is diamonds are literally, like, they don't expire. They're diamonds. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I can't remember the last time a diamond went went bad. Maybe a brown <laughs> yeah. diamond. Yeah, they smell after a little bit, you know? That's true. I'm going to have to get mine looked at. But 
flowers definitely go bad. Like, that's their whole job is for you to buy them for people so that they can watch them die as a symbol of your friendship. Yeah, fun. Uh, hopefully, as they die, your friendship goes stronger and not the other way around. But that's kind of the other point here is that you've built this bizarre... Account. Like the Oh, wait, here's another example. Is yeah. fruit... Like, think of fruit. Fruit is a seasonal thing. Most yeah. fruits cannot be grown year-round in many parts of the world. They are seasonal. Okay. And yet... Every time I go to the grocery store, I can buy strawberries. Now, Girl Scout cookies are very seasonal. <laughs> and there's nothing in the world to justify that other than hype. Yeah. And that's, like, that digs right back into the story is the fact that, like, roses, like, this might be the most interesting contextual thing about them, which is, like, roses in Ecuador can grow all year round because Ecuador's on the equator. The seasons don't vary too much there. Oh, yeah. But... We have this bizarre expectation that they should be available all year round and that they should be extra available in the middle of February. That just, I think that's just the beauty of this whole story is like you start with the question of why do we have roses? And then you see the incredible backflips and work that these people have to go through to get the roses from where they start to where they end up. And then you just have to sit there and wonder why is everything like this? That doesn't need to be like this. Well, something I like about that is it's just the market feeding into the fact that, hey, this is something that... I mean, roses look beautiful. I'm, I'm a fan of roses. I think they look nice. But it's interesting that the, just the fact that of their resilience is the thing that's important, not what they look like, not any of that kind of stuff. And same thing for golden diamonds, that they're just... They just happen to be... They look nice, but we can imprint a value on them just because they're the easiest thing that we can... It's just good business sense on their part. Yeah, and to your credit, it's not like roses haven't been... You can see family crests with roses going back centuries, but the fact that we all care so much about roses is a very new thing that's solely a product of the fact that they are one of the most resilient, beautiful things on the planet. It's a true metaphor for love. And especially, I mean, like because what that what comes to mind is uh, Shakespeare like a rose by any other name is just a sweet and I can only imagine that at that time roses were probably like around but still so, something sought after something nice but not super abundant but they were probably the most resilient flower that's why they got there in comparison to other flowers I thought it was because he ate them go on well you just said a rose by any other name would smell as sweet right do you eat with your nose no, you you eat you taste sweetness. Sweetness is one of the five flavors. It smells as sweet. So when you well, you need your nose to taste. I guess that's not wrong. Hold I guess. up. Did, Hold up. Are you telling me that I've been tasting wrong this whole time? Yeah. Did you know that if you plug up your nose and try to eat something, it like you barely taste anything? Yes. In fact, that's an important thing to know because I am working on an episode right now for the Smelloscope, and Ooh. a big part of sensation. A big part of senses in general is actually smell. And we can get into there for a whole other episode that I would also love to have you on. For now, since I've never had a host on this show before, I thought I'd like to know a little more about the small stuff you sweat. Oh, um, uh, I, uh, sweat through my shirts and my jeans when I go out and work in the fields and, uh, my overalls with my pitchfork and, um, uh, that's what I'm sweating. No, I mean, <laughs> the main things that I'm sweating are uh, process and, like, motivational stuff. I try to do a lot of things. So the main things that I'm uh, sweating is, like, how to improve 
uh, the, any process. So it's like, okay, cool, I'm already doing this thing. How can I do it more efficiently so I can do more of it, more or less? Exactly. I love that you said that because I, especially since I started this and been wondering about, like, all the social media and how to post it and this and that, like, I, I can totally relate to how you're feeling. Oh, yeah. My biggest thing is, like, I know that there's steps. Like, I have an engineering background. And as an engineer, you know that you can automate stuff. So, like, every single second of my day where I'm manually doing anything for this podcast other than recording and working on scripts, I'm, like, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, this ha- there, ha- there must be an easier way. Yes, just give me yeah. more time and followers and friends. Well, thank you for having me on, my friend. I, I think I had... I, I learned something today. I learned a little something about roses and about how I'm a stupid idiot for liking them. Man, come on. This is a wholesome show. We're, <laughs> we're better than that, buddy. Yeah, we are. Love you, pal. Love you too, buddy. Anyway, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on Twitter at SmallStuffPod. You can find us on Instagram at SmallStuffPod. Or you can email us at SmallStuffPod at gmail.com. And feel free to leave a comment on how we're doing and how you're liking the show so far. And remember, from movies to media to the world around us, it's the details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. Uh, that's pretty good. All right, I'm keeping that part in.